Hello. Welcome to our latest series of the Reach Next Generation podcast. I'm Grace Jeffries and I'm thinking about my future. To help me with this, I'm speaking with successful women to get an understanding of the challenges they've faced throughout their careers, how they became them and what tips they have for girls of my age. Today my guest is Ali Owen, who is the founder of the Brixton Finishing School. Brixton Finishing School and the Ad Academy are award-winning London and nationwide employment programmes. Ali has won countless accolades for her work and most recently being awarded the Judges' Choice Award at the 2022 Media Tell Media Award. Thanks for joining me today, Ali. Can we start by you telling us how your career took you to the role you have today? I think that's a great place to start. I definitely haven't had a straight line career. I would say my career has been a roller coaster, if that's a good visual analogy. So I hadn't heard. So Brixton Finishing School is a training program that gets young people and women over 45 from disadvantaged and structurally excluded communities into the advertising and creative industries. So it's a not for profit, uh, social purpose driven kind of activism type role. When I was much younger, when I was my teens, actually, about 13 or 14, I was very active uh, campaigning for better political rights. I used to go on a lot of marches, so I've always had a lot of activism, but it never occurred to me I could make a job out of it. Mm. I ended up going to uni where I studied Egyptology, again, unrelated, First person in my family to go to uni. So when I left uni, we didn't really know. I didn't know anything about anything, really. I just arrived in London with five pounds, knew I could type, had to find somewhere to live and just look for work as a secretary. That was my first job from my family. My background, even though I got a degree, we didn't really. I don't know. There seemed to be a bit of a disconnect between you got your education done, but we weren't too sure what you did next. There was no connection. So I was a secretary at a big publishing house, and there was a really good table of people that looked to be having a lot of fun, and I discovered earned more money than me, and that was the advertising table. So I chatted to my boss and got put on the advertising table, and it turned out I was quite good at persuading people to invest in things, invest in brands to invest in our publications. And that was the start of my advertising career. So I did that for about 25 years. And about five years ago, I got very cross about the lack of inclusion in advertising and set up Brixton Finishing School to make it more equitable for everybody. Because I'm a great believer that wherever you're from or whatever your background is, if you're talented, you should have the right to the career you want. Um, you can, you know, fulfil your potential in and also benefit the companies involved. Is that a good enough answer, Grace? That's a great answer. I've no idea why you were talking about your career being a roller coaster. I thought that was pretty smooth. I was, there's lots of twists and turns along the way. For example, <laughs> I've been made redundant five times oh. in my life, which is quite normal for my industry. But I would always say to people, it's very, in your depending on what career you choose, there will be jobs that aren't forever jobs because the markets change. So within advertising, I've had some jobs that I thought would go on forever and I've loved. 
and then due to circumstances beyond my control and not really due to my performance, just to do with what the markets are doing, like how much money's slushing about. Unfortunately, those companies are downsized and that's quite painful. And then you have to reinvent yourselves. So I reinvented myself probably on about six occasions, slightly different jobs. I've always been curious and always been upskilling and learning. And that's what's kept me in work because it's, I'm 50 this year. And sadly, as a woman, once you get over 45, you fall off what is known as the employment cliff. A lot of people won't employ you anymore because they think you're just too old, <laughs> which we all know is rubbish. Hmm. Yeah. Now, I have to ask, you mentioned earlier that you did a, a degree in, sorry if I mess up this pronunciation, Egyptology. Egyptology, yeah. What is Egyptology? It's Well, it's the best thing in the world, next to Brixton Finishing School. It is the study of ancient Egypt. It's art and architecture. It's customs, especially it's burial and mythology customs. Um, and I kind of particularly focused on Egyptian art. <laughs> which I became really obsessed with and I adored. And I actually won a scholarship to do a master's in it, but I couldn't afford to take the scholarship. Yeah, I owed too much money at that point to just work. Yeah. But if I had my time again and if I had a bit more money, I think I would probably have done my master's in Egyptian art. Maybe I'd be running the British Museum by now. (laughs) That would have been awesome. It would be. Now, I have to ask, when you were at school, did you know what you wanted to do or be or did that happen more later in life? I All I knew, my school wasn't, it was a big comprehensive. So there were over 300 kids just in my year. So it was a massive school where it was based. It wasn't a very aspirational area. So if you were a female, probably the things that you're most likely to be, if you were clever, were air hostess or secretary. Now, I knew I wasn't pretty enough to be an air hostess, so I thought secretary. But my mum and dad were very passionate about education, and my dad had gone back to school when he was 30, to get because uh, he left school when he was really young, and he was an engineer. And I think my first thing I wanted to be was an engineer like my dad. You went to Liverpool University, but yeah. how important do you think it actually is to go to university, especially with all of the um, all of the apprenticeship and graduate schemes that you can find in quite a lot of companies? Yeah, I think it depends how much money your family has nowadays. Sadly, the debt, university debt, is known as the degree penalty. I met a young lady two weeks ago who graduated in 2016 with 48,000 pounds worth of debt which is oh my god well it gets worse she's worked solidly for five years at a really big brand she's done really well and she's paid that money off monthly as much as she can she now owes 53,000 pounds because of the interest rate so she owes more 5,000 pounds more than when she graduated because the interest ticking up on the loan and she hasn't been able to because the cost of living in London, she's been paying off, but she can't pay off enough. So I think for most people from socially mobile backgrounds, that's terrifying. It's absolutely yeah. terrifying. Um, and sadly, we have a system where the government didn't bring or well, has decided not to offer low interest or protected education loans. It is 
a higher interest rate than a mortgage <laughs> and you're asking the youngest people who would never be able to get a mortgage to take on that level of debt. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's right. So going back to your question, I would say I would hope that everybody has the right to go to university. I think realistically, with the terrifying debt penalty, we're going to end up with lots of very talented people having to find alternative routes in. There are a lot of apprenticeships. Some of them may be not that good. Some of them may be okay. I think we need to find kind of a third way in. And we set up Brixton so you could kind of get into advertising and creativity without a degree in a really short space of time. And you could go into kind of graduate roles without a degree in quite a short space of time as well. Whereas apprenticeships take 18 months or a year, I think. Now, there's a lot of talk about pay equality quite generally. But how well do you think women are catching up with men's salaries and getting those top jobs, especially in advertising? Oh, God. I was born before the Equal Pay Act. Yeah. So that was way back when dinosaurs roamed the earth in the early 70s. So in the last 50 years, which I've been alive, we've still not got equal pay. Mm. I know from the amount of successful pay and, and discrimination cases, the people I hang around with have won, that we're still fighting for it. In the very top echelons of advertising, or even the FTSE 100, there are more men called, I think, Dave or John than there are women. So I would say we've got a long way to go. It's not that we haven't made progress, but we have to sort out lots of things along the way, like the maternity penalty, the fact that childcare is like another mortgage in this company. There's lots of reasons why women are held back. There is no reason why any company should pay a woman less than a man, but they still seem to be doing it (laughs) if they can get away with it. And that's really nefarious and not fair. Now, I know that myself and maybe of the other listeners will be probably thinking that the Brixton Finishing School is like a manners school from the 1900s. So um, aside from the fact that it obviously isn't, can you tell us a little bit more about the, the Brixton Finishing School and their ad academy? Oh, well done for the pronunciation of Ad Academy, because that's a tricky <laughs> one. Yeah, so the right Brixton Finishing School and Ad Academy, which is the word AD, which is short for advertising next academy, uh, are two versions of courses designed to give you all the skills you need uh, to get you an entry level role in advertising, marketing, tech, creative. The best thing about them is they're completely taught by the people who basically are going to give you the jobs. So it's Mm. the top brands, media owners, agencies, creative agencies all over the world do all the teaching. You get a mentor and a coach. Uh, Brixton's in person. It happens every summer. You have to win a place on Brixton. We do task-based assessments. The academy is open to anybody who's from one of our target groups, which is, you know, white, socially mobile. So basically people who are held back due to lack of familial wealth or multicultural background and also you're neurodiverse as well. You know, we look to support you in and that's a virtual course. You do some learning on the phone, that, sorry, on your phone, like te- like video modules. Mm-hmm. And you also then get invited to virtual in real life events, if that makes sense. 
virtual real life events is that how like like we're doing now chit chatting um and you get to work in teams work on briefs and most of all you get to pitch to employers at the end and lots of people win jobs so we've got hundreds of people into jobs through these programs now and it's really important that employers make sure they're being inclusive because diverse teams teams that include all of our communities actually make more money for companies than teams that just have one kind of personality type in it. Of course. Well, I know that you are also involved in Refugee Action. Can you tell us a little bit about their work and how you got involved? Well, that was a couple of years ago, but I'm still very passionate about this subject. I just left a very big, I left my big last media job to set up Brixton. And while I was thinking about what I was going to do, I volunteered Refugee Action, which is an incredible charity that advocates for and supports refugees who arrive in the UK. We all know from the press there can be a lot of scaremongering and negative press around who actually gets the right to claim asylum here. And also when you do get here, you don't have the right to work and you live on a very, very tiny amount of money. So it's a really tricky, tricky situation for people who are coming over who are obviously traumatised, have spent a long time trying to get here. So it's a fantastic organisation. And I supported the digital content team because I'd had, you know, that's where my big experience had, had kind of come from, coming up with big ideas for how to engage people through stories and social. Finally, and this is a new question for all of our guests this series, and that is, if you had to, say, describe yourself in three words, what do you think they would be? I will give you a brief warning. Uh, this sounds easy, but it kind of can't be. Okay, I reckon relentless. Okay. Definitely relentless is my number one quality. Passionate. Okay. And joyful. Brilliant. <laughs> I, can def- I can definitely see that. Thank you. That's good. The relentless thing is really important if you're going to set up your own business, as is the joyful, because not every day is going to be a good day. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's a great place to leave off on today's podcast. I really enjoyed chatting with you today, Ali. Thank you so, so much. And I'm sure everyone listening will now be thinking about some of the choices they're about to make in their own careers. Keep listening to the Reach Next Generation podcast as I talk to many more brilliant women. And more de- details about us and our summits are at reachnextgeneration.com. And a big thank you to all our partners and sponsors, Ideal Standard, Barclays, St. Modwen, Green King and Levi Strauss.